Good morning. Mention the rugby. It was absolute. even I got excited in those last closing minutes of the game yesterday. I wasn't coughing. I wasn't. I literally needed to clear my throat at that point. It wasn't. Hold on one minute. Yeah, there you go. Three o'clock is when the real game's out today. Anyway, let's, let's move on. As we were worshipping this morning, I just really sensed, I felt like this morning, just a number of folks just need to hear this. You're in the place where you just feel just dry right now. It just feels like you're going through the motions. It just feels like that first love that you once had before, it's just, it's just, not, it's just not there right now. And I understand that. And we can't build our spiritual lives actually on feelings because feelings can be fleeting and sometimes they can deceive us. But nonetheless, there is that place where right now you're just like, goodness, this is hard. And even coming to church sometimes can feel just a bit dry and going through the motions. And I would just want to encourage you, if you're in that place, is just to keep doing the things you know what to do. You see, the thing is, we cannot become more like, like Christ by ourselves. We cannot do it. We cannot do it. But what we can do is place ourselves into places and situations and do things where we can encounter his presence, where we can hear his voice speaking to us. And so just to encourage you, do what it is that brings you alive. For me, during the week, I practiced just silence, just 10 minutes of, I tell you what, 10 minutes, long time, just in silence, just in solitude on my own, just sitting, being, and just, just allowing God to restore, revive, speak during that time. Open the scriptures. Read the Bible. I'm going to encourage you this morning to read the book of Proverbs over the next number of days and weeks, and that will become clear in a moment. Get with friends. Confess your sins to one another. Listen to worship CDs. Attend life groups. Continue to come to church, even though sometimes you might not feel like it, and all the rest. Go for long walks. Do whatever it is that you do that brings you alive and where you're giving the Holy Spirit a chance to manifest His presence and speak His words to you, to feed your soul. Attend to those things. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we must abide in him, remain in him. And everything else kind of takes care of itself, doesn't it? Anyway, we are uh, today introducing a new theme, a uh, new series. It's going to run for a number of weeks. And uh, it's called Making Life Work. And uh, it's based as... Uh, other series that we have done, it's based on a book, a book written by someone else, someone else who's a bit longer in the tooth, a bit wiser maybe, and uh, has done this. And it's through a real hero of mine, a real hero of many of yours. It's a, a very well-known um, Christian writer, a Christian leader called Bill Hybels. He leads a massive church, to my knowledge still, the Willow Creek Church in Chicago. And uh, this book that we're going to journey together, I read in my early 20s. And it had a deeply profound effect on me then. I was a, a maturing young Christian, a maturing young man. And this book, one of the first books I read, I'm ashamed to say because literacy is not my strongest point in life. 
um, it just spoke to me in so many ways. And I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. It's based upon um, a book in the Bible that some of us may never have delved into before. And some of us are a bit like, I'm just not sure about that one. Because it's so unique and because it's so different. And it's the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. That's one for every day in a number of the months of the year. And so I'm encouraging you, all of us as a journey, why don't we commit over a month or over two months and just take half a chapter a day and just take ourselves through what is the most brilliant and deeply profound books of the Bible. What I'd like to do this morning is do two things. One is introduce it to you, introduce the book, introduce the series to us and what it is, to just provide a bit of context and then I'm going to talk about the, the core theme, the core thing that runs right the way through the book of Proverbs, and that is wisdom. So, here goes. <clears throat> the context of Proverbs. Biblical scholars believe that it is a book written by a number of biblical writers. And in fact, the one who probably made the most contributions in the book is King Solomon, who is said to have written 500 of the Proverbs. And uh, even through to our modern day, thinkers and writers have believed that King Solomon is actually one of the wisest people that ever lived. Proverbs are sayings that relate to major parts of our life. And that's what makes it so applicable. And that's what makes it so engaging. Because there's so many things in Proverbs that it actually affects our everyday, normal, working, living, breathing interrelating with one another lives. Proverbs are not written as promises, absolute promises. They are not written as rigid rules about life, but <clears throat> because there are sometimes exceptions to the sayings. For example, Proverbs 28:19 says, "Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty." Again, generally speaking, we could apply that, but there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. For example, you could have a farmer who uh, falls foul of drought, or perhaps the crops that they produced, just the market price wasn't great, and they ended up, even though they worked hard, they didn't get their return. Or, likewise, you could have dreamers who don't really work so hard, and they just go ahead and win the lottery, and they get their wealth there too. So... Proverbs simply tells us how life works most of the time. And generally speaking, people who are godly, moral, uh, hardworking, and wise will reap many rewards. How did the writers all those years ago, this was written uh, centuries before Christ, so maybe about two and a half thousand years ago that these words were written. How did they write them? How did they have such wisdom all those years ago? And the simple reason is they learnt it from life. They learnt it through life experience. And they would have been normal uh, people like you and me who just through the uh, experiences of life would have encountered these things and chose to put pen to paper and write down their wise experiences from life. What I love about it is they are really simple and down to earth to get and to understand. You do not need to be the most... Uh, literal, uh, no that's not the right word, the most intellectual kind of person to be able to understand them. You do not need a theology degree to understand them. Dare I say it, you don't need to be a Christian 
to read them and understand them and allow God to begin to speak to you and apply the truths that they speak of about life. Proverbs are uh, what's known as poetry. And like poetry and different forms of poetry, they're written in different formats and different ways to connect with the reader or with the audience that is listening to them. So some examples of different types of proverbs as you read through uh, the book are this. Couplets, a pair of successive lines in verse which make a statement and then repeats itself just slightly differently. For example, choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. Do you see how that works? Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Then we have contrast. Contrast is where the writer drives home a point by contrasting it with something else. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Or one person gives freely yet gains each, uh, even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Proverbs also paints pictures. This is where the writer uses rich and colorful language to paint like a graphic picture that we can kind of get in our minds and understand. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. Or like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked ruler over a helpless people. Plain and simple is another format in which Proverbs are written. We almost pass them by as we read over them. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Or another one, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Some of them are humorous, and uh, you're going to like this next one. Better to live on a corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. And those of you who've read the book of Proverbs, you'll know there's a number of others similar. You can tell that they were written by men, by the way. (laughs) Some of them are direct and to the point. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Some are hopeful in times of trouble. When calamity comes, the wicked are brought down, but even in death the righteous seek refuge in God. Or when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. And then just a couple more before we move on. Some of uh, Proverbs are really thought-provoking and and probes beneath the surface and actually allows us to really ponder and go, what's, what's that about? Even in laughter. The heart may ache, and rejoicing may endure in grief. You kind of need to camp out on that for a little, don't you? And begin, what's, what's that kind of getting at? The purpose is of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Over uh, the course of reading the Proverbs, you'll understand and you'll begin to see central themes that the writers speak about. They speak about friendships. They speak about relationships between a man and a woman. Uh, They speak about wisdom, discipline, diligence, and work ethic, how we are to speak, and how we are to behave with one another. It's the nuts and bolts of life then, which still applies to the nuts and bolts of life 
now. Ancient truths, ancient relationships, ancient ways of doing life still really, really applicable and appropriate for our lives today. And I'd encourage you over the coming weeks is take the book of Proverbs and read it for yourself. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak God's word to you as you do that. And so this is the first chapter we're, we're going into. The central theme that kind of runs right the way through the book of Proverbs is wisdom. And the first eight or nine chapters actually specifically speaks about wisdom and sets itself up for the remaining 22 or so chapters thereafter. What is wisdom? This is where I get you thinking. I don't necessarily need an answer. But what is wisdom? When you hear of the word, the English word of wisdom, what does it conjure up? What does it make us think of? There could be many, many definitions. Here's a very brief one. Wisdom is what is true and what is right combined with good judgment. It's what is true, it's what is right combined with good judgment. We might also include words such as discerning, judicious, prudent, sensible. And let's be honest, they're not the most exciting words, are they? <laughs> when, you, when you're a kid growing up at school, it's like, sensible. That's not that, that, that's not that exciting, you know. But actually, if we were to apply these things, we're to apply wisdom to our lives. We are setting ourselves up to build and live a healthy life. One that will work most of the time. One which will bring life to us and to those in our lives that we love life most of the time. Some verses from chapter 4 summarized says this, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention. Do not forsake my teaching. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forsake wisdom. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Accept what I say. Imagine a father to a son. It can be a mother to a daughter. It could be either way. But imagine that. Just picture it. I'm there right now. We're there right now as a father and mother to sons and daughters that are growing up. Imagine the narrative. Imagine the story saying, get wisdom. Get wisdom. I know stuff about the world. I know stuff that's coming your way that you don't know about yet. You think you know everything about life as we all did as teenagers, right? We all thought at that time, oh yeah, we know, what, uh, we know more than you. What do you think you know? Well, that sort of narrative that kind of goes on. But we know, those of us who are a bit older, those of us who are wearing the glasses and we've got gray hair or whatever, and those even just a little bit young, we know, don't we? Because we've experienced it. We've learned, some of us. Some of us, we still haven't learned. And folly or foolishness, which is the opposite of wisdom, is still being played out. And we still keep making foolish choices. But on the whole, we like to think, like, we know. And so as a father to a son, listen to me. Listen to me. There's so much good in this world that's to come as you're growing. 
friendship, relationship. You're going to fall in love one day. It's going to be amazing. You're going to work hard. You're going to get a job. You're going to want to build a house. You're going to want to give your life away and be generous with what God's given you. There's so much good. There's so much for you to go and explore in life. But listen to me. If you don't do it wisely, all those good things, you're going to make a complete wreck of your life. And you're going to screw it up and you're going to mess it up. And you're going to have failed relationship after another and after another. And if you don't work hard and you steal and you cheat and you lie, you're going to get in bother. Listen to me. Listen to me, my son. Wisdom speaks louder. Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she, she being wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Get wisdom. You think you want silver, but wisdom's better. You think you want gold, but wisdom is better. Nothing you desire can compare to her. All those things we desire will let us down. All those things we desire will not pay the dividends, give us what we wanted, like wisdom will give us. Wisdom will give us long life, riches and honor, peace. Be a tree of life to us and we will be blessed. Consider those parents who you think are wise. Okay? You might be one of them. You might think, huh, pretty good. Look around. Think of the people. Think of the people in our lives who you know have parented really well. Those who you know who encourage and know when to encourage and when to rebuke or admonish. Knowing the difference and at the right time. When to be tender and when to be cross. Those who know when to advise and when to simply sit back and listen. To those who at times will teach and those who just sit back and let the hard lessons of life and consequences that come from poor choices to be the teacher. Consider those parents you think are not so wise. You've seen it, haven't you? You've come across other folk and you think, my goodness me, you're letting Johnny do this. You're letting Hannah do that. You're not wise. Who knew the Northern Irish were so wise with their wording? I love that phrase, you're not wise. (laughs) Isn't that a good one? Wise up. (laughs) That's ministry time. Wise up. Would you? Consider the workplace. Consider those you colleagues you've worked with, people in your department that have been wise. They've turned up for work on time. They've been diligent in their duties, even when the boss wasn't looking. Have not engaged in workplace gossip. Have utilized the workplace resources 
for the gain of the company or the organization and not for personal gain and riches. Who have put their skills and knowledge to the task to promote the organization or the business or whatever it is. Who have managed the finances with diligence and transparency. They're the wise ones at work. They're the ones we want to learn from. Pursuing wisdom pays dividends. It acts like a navigational uh, system. It becomes our moral compass steering us down the narrow path, which sometimes is harder, but let's face it, is always going to pay dividends. Proverbs offers advice on diligence, self-discipline, choosing friendships, choosing boyfriends, girlfriends, healthy family life, honoring God with our finances, caring for our bodies, growing spiritually, caring for the poor, managing anger, and just about every major issue of our life. It's in the book. It's in the book. We've just got to read it. We've got to allow God to speak to us, and then we've got to apply the things that it speaks of. The opposite, as I mentioned earlier, of wisdom is foolishness, is folly. Foolishness leads to pain and suffering. And uh, let's face it, there isn't a single person in this room that hasn't made a foolish choice in our life. Consider the following. Prudence is a fountain of life to the prudent, but folly brings punishment to fools. And as parents, we take an interest, don't we, in our children and the friends that they make. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. And very often, we don't learn from our foolish mistakes. In fact, we keep repeating them. Proverbs would say this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And very often, Proverbs makes comparisons between wisdom and foolishness. The ways of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Foolishness is most prominently seen in a toddler. Those of us who are uh, parents with uh, exhibit A on the second row here. And, uh, you know, whenever the baby just matures slightly, gets up on its pins and starts walking around, suddenly as parents it gets very, very interactive. We have to have eyes in the back of our heads. We have to lift things that were once kind of this level up to this level. And we have to spot and watch them. We need to see, oh, they don't put that in their mouth again. That's not going to taste too good, or that's going to get down. Or you take them to a beach. I remember taking our kids to the beach the first time. It's like, who thought sand would be so tasty? <laughs> it goes in their mouths. And they either learn from themselves at that point, this don't taste too good, or it's up to us to instruct them. No, you don't want to do that. You see that car that's coming? You really want to hold my hand as we walk closely to the edge of the pavement. And isn't that what we do? And with time, 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 we get bigger, we, be, we begin to make good choices. And for some of us, we need to grow. We need to grow in the area of wisdom that we would make good choices, good, wise decisions. As the new year has well turned now, we're into February. Goodness, how did that happen? We want it to be a good year. As we look back over the last year and we think of the things that happened that took place in our lives, things that weren't so good, many of them 
That wasn't our fault. That wasn't our failures. That's just life. But if we're honest, as we look back and we think of some of the strife and some of the hardship that came our way, perhaps we had a role to play in that. Perhaps we made wrong choices, unwise decisions. It's not necessarily that they were immoral, although some of them could be. They just weren't very wise. We overspent on the credit card. We did this. We did that. We shouldn't have done this. Oh, but now look at the trouble we're in. Oh, it's just unwise. And so I say this lovingly and clearly uh, to you. Let us pursue wisdom. I, I realize that this morning might have sounded a bit like a parental kind of talk. It really wasn't meant to be. But it is a case of placing ourselves before the Lord and before his scriptures that speak life to us and allowing the Holy Spirit to just indwell in us. Choose wisdom. Pursue after it. Make good decisions. Life-giving decisions. And as we do that, we ponder the areas in our lives where we know we just go back to, where we know we just keep making foolish decisions and ask the Lord for wisdom. We finish with this. In James chapter 1, James writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Amen.